This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Wow, guys, what a blessing to be with you. Um, For most of you know, I've been on just a little bit of a a getaway. Wendy sends her love. She is still in South Carolina with her mother, getting some really beautiful, needed time together with her family, mom, brother, and others. As Wendy's mom's been walking through breast cancer. I think I shared that before. The Lord has been gracious and good in, in the care of the physicians, and so we're trusting God for complete and total healing. And, and so, anyhow, she sends her love to you. I have been so encouraged just by the messages that have been coming out of this place over the course of July. It's been incredible. I know it's summer months where we're busy, we're taking vacations, people are here and there. But just hearing from Wilson on on, on taking risk and then uh, Bobby, what an incredible message that he brought, who's actually been a worship leader here helping us. And then Juan, incredible word from the Lord on, on spiritual warfare, awesome. And then Johnny came and brought the hammer of like, wake up guys, come on, get going here. Like, um, and so he's, a, and by the way, he's a really beautiful human being. We've known him forever. They were a part of the Harbor community, him and his wife, Kyla, and led a small group, actually, Harbor Home Fellowship here for many, many years. And you see the life of Jesus in people outside of these four walls, right? It's one thing to stand on the stage, but it's another thing to like see their life lived out in their marriage with their kids in their relationships and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to jump in and continue um, this brave series by talking about um, what I've titled Taking a Walk in the Darkness. And basically it's going to be just a conversation with you all as we ask Holy Spirit to come and talk to us today about how do we navigate circumstantial, and I'll get into this a little bit, transitions that come that aren't our choosing, but the Lord yet in the midst of it asks us to follow him into the darkness. Actually, we're going to see in the Psalms, it's actually the darkest valley. Um, David describes it as that. And how do we cultivate trust with the Lord? And it's all tied in, I want to submit this to returning to the place of first love. How many of you know you can't follow someone unless you trust that person, right? No one's going to, if you you have any sensibility about you, no one's going to follow somebody that they don't trust. And so the Lord is trying to teach us some things about his character, his nature, who he is to establish trust in our hearts. So even when we walk through the darkest valley we will be able to follow him. You know, we had uh, the beginning of our vacation right after the 4th of July weekend. And you know how when you're looking for, like, oh, I can finally breathe, it feels like all hell breaks loose around you, kind of those kind of moments. You ever had one of those? Or am I the only one that's ever walked through something like that? You're like, okay, I'm just looking forward. And and there was some, some very, uh, very serious, very life-changing pastoral circumstances that we were involved in because they were part of this family or extended family of this house. And so 
you know, God, in just the honor and beauty and pleasure of getting to to stand with people. We had we had this 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 grace that God gave us to walk with some of these individuals over the first, to be honest, about week week plus of our our initial part of our vacation. And uh, one of them was a, a young thirty eight year old mother that unexpectedly passed away. Can you imagine? We got, of course, the diagnosis of Jessica's husband, you know, that, that, that he has, you know, terminal cancer. It's very, very serious stuff. But one of the, one of the, the circumstances was a, a, a beautiful, beautiful um, person in Wendy and I's life who actually used to be on staff here, was, was my personal assistant. And her and her husband were expecting their, their second child, a boy. They had had a girl. And she was four months pregnant and her water broke at four months. And what inspired me about this, this daughter of the Lord is because she reached out to us and said, hey, here's what's going on. And she was in the hospital at this time because she had to be on bed rest to try to carry this child to full term, which was going to be sometime in December. And she was committed to the process. Like... And I just thought about that. I was like, wow, just the, the nurturing nature of, of, of a mother that would, would literally give of herself to, to bring care for this child that she was carrying. It was inspiring. And I asked her, I said, Katie, how are you, how are you positioning your mindset? She said, I'm just looking right now like one day at a time, like every day, just as a moment that I'm just going to walk out with God and follow him into this place. So in some ways, this message is inspired out of that. Wendy, we shared last time I spoke, had this dream of, of this stream of people coming down off of this mountain and there was a collision as the cars were running into each other, not being able to see kind of around the bend as they came off this this great high place. Have you ever been in a high place with God? You were like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're moving. And all of a sudden it feels like, whoop, you come right down off the mountain, right? And like, whoa, how, where did that come from? I felt that really in 2020. I was like, remember going in to the year 2020, not knowing anything about COVID, just thinking, having such an expectation. Like, you know what I mean? That, that deep thing on the inside of you where you're like, man, you're going to do something great this year, God. And then all of a sudden, based on, you know, our expectation, not ex- exactly being met in the way that we think it should, we come right off that mountain, right? And so in Wendy's dream, she was coming up on this intersection where she was observing people coming down off of this mountain, the crash, the, the collisions, the, the chaos that ensued. And there was no real way for her to, to, to go in terms of continuing her journey And the Lord had her look back at the road that she had just come down and said, go that way. Now, oftentimes, you know, when we have these dreams, we don't know exactly what they're meaning. You have to kind of sit on them for a little while. But, you know, the road back is the road back to first love, I believe. I really feel like that's been confirmed in my heart. And there's something on the inside of me burning for his church to see us return to the place of first love again going back down a road that we've come, a path that's going to look completely different when you go that direction, but it's going to be one that's familiar, that brings you back to a place of intimacy with God, that's going to provoke and stir your faith unlike any other time in your life. 
I believe that with all of my heart. And so what I want to do, I want to just open up in Psalm 23 here. This is David, this king who's positioned as a figure, right, in the nation of Israel to, to lead them on a journey, to take them somewhere in God. Like he was someone that many, many people were following. And I want to just kind of peer a little bit into his life because he's writing from his heart. And I'm going to read chapter 23, verses 1 through 5, but I'm going to intentionally skip verse 4 initially, and then we'll come back to it at the end, all right? So let's just read this quickly. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now here, I just, I just got to give you some insight here. He's giving understanding to us, if we could see it and hear it, into the nature of the Father. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, he is caring for me. And he describes out loud, he said, I have all that I need. Can I get an amen right there? I have all that I need. And then he says in verse two, he said, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He says in verse three, he said, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Let's look at verse five and six here quickly. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Constant family, constant Comfort, safety, refuge, right? In the family of God. But all of that was, in terms of revealing the nature of the Father, was to hold David as he was walking through. Look at verse 4 with me. He says, when I walk through the darkest valley... I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, and your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I looked into the original language here, darkest valley, literally means the shadow of death, but if you take it a little deeper, it literally means the grave. So it's going for a walk in the darkness. You know, there, there's two different kinds of darkness, right? I was actually up in the cab and I went out for, to, to get something for Wendy outside. There were no lights on. When I first went outside from being in the light, walking outside, I literally could see nothing in front of me. It was like the path in front of me was, was, was just completely obliterated, right? But, and, and you kind of feel, you know, kind of those spooky feels when you're up in the middle of nowhere and there's darkness. And then you hear that what goes bump in the night kind of stuff going on. You kind of feel that like intrepidation. And then you can't see anything. You're like, where am I going? But there's moonlight, right? And so the moonlight then begins to give you uh, the, the opportunity to acclimate to the darkness, right? And so the further you walk, the longer you walk, the more your eyes acclimate. And you can see, in a sense, even though you're in the darkness. That's one journey that the Lord asks us to walk on. But what is it like when you go into the darkest valley? And if you haven't been in one of these, I'm not, I'm not saying this over you in any negative way. There will be moments like this that will come in your life. And the Lord will have you follow him through those moments. 
and come to a place of intimacy with him in the midst. He didn't bring those moments upon you. He did not cause those moments. Those moments, we know where those moments come from. The grave, how many of you know God did not invent the grave? God invented resurrection, right? The enemy brings death. He's here to still kill and destroy. We know who's, who brings sickness and disease. But when you're in a grave, you can't see anything and you never are able to acclimate with your own eyesight. That's the darkest valley that David's talking about. Remember one time I went on a trip to Israel, long trip, long flight. We got off, you know, you're really jet lagged. And, and the guy that was with me, my travel buddy, he's like, hey, there's some, there's some caves outside of the city of Jerusalem. Let's go cave exploring. And tried to act like I, you know, I was, I was not, you know, a weenie and just afraid. I was like, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. I'm, I'm exhausted. I, all I want to do is go to the, the hotel. And I didn't tell him I, that I was claustrophobic. <laughs> I hate small spaces, you know. Because when I was younger, I think someone put me in a sleeping bag and closed the top and just, you know, kind of held me in there for a little while, kind of freaked me out. So I don't like enclosed spaces, right? So we get into this cave and it was, it was like to get down into this kind of open space, um, you had to squeeze through this hole. It was just my body could barely fit into this hole. And then we get down there and man, I'm telling you, it is, it is a dark place and stuff. And, and my friend and our guide at the time, he, they're like, let's follow this little tunnel about the same size of my body that went in to get us into this cave into, you know, the, this, this labyrinth of, of caves that ran through the mountains. And that's where I checked out. Can I get an amen? I'm like, listen, guys, you know, I'm just not feeling really well right now. You want to, you guys carry on without me. But when I went down into the cave, I didn't have my cell phone with me. And these guys did, that's how they were kind of following their way. So I, I, I watched them, they kind of go through this, you know, their tunnel and then at some point I couldn't hear them anymore and the light was completely gone. And I'm just sitting in that cave in complete grave-like darkness. Like I put, I literally put my hand up in front of my face. I couldn't see it. And then I started having, you know, mind trips in this moment. I'm like, man, is this even real? Have I, have I lost my marbles? Like, you know, cause you come off this long flight here. I'm in this cave, just being completely enveloped in, in darkness, a space where there's no light. And my eyes were not transitioning to be able to see at all. But there's a place in God that we can grab a hold of him even though we can't see him. Hold on to God and follow him through the darkest valley. You know, valleys, I believe, this coming off the mountain, the high place, you know, where it's, it's usually seasons of transition. And you're either in transition, out, coming out of transition, or entering into a new transition. That's just life, I hate it. I just don't, you know, for all the steadies in here, for all the stables, I know that's a really like almost anxiety, panic attack kind of, you know, for, for word, but it's, it's true. It's like we're always moving from transitions as we come off mountaintop moments in our lives into these valley kind of, you know, seasons of transition. But there's transitions of our choosing that are valley seasons, right? That feel like darkness. 
on some level. Like you, you don't kind of know what you're doing. I mean, I made a choice to marry my wife, right? But I, I couldn't fully see what I was getting into. Any husbands out there say amen, right? And so you make that, you know that, you know when that transition is going down on September 28th, I'm gonna marry Wendy Derrick and we're gonna continue on with life. And I made that choice coming off a high moment of being in love. Can I get an amen, right? And so there are transitions like that, jobs where we choose to have a child, where, you know, all these kinds of things, you know, that, that we enter into a valley, maybe a dark valley, but not the darkest or deepest darkness that David's talking about. The darkest valley is one caused by circumstances that you or I cannot control and that we did not choose. Those are the ones. Divorce, you did not ask for a betrayal. You did not seek a financial hardship, a medical diagnosis. Fill in the blank there. But in these moments, there's not even an opportunity to acclimate because they go against the very grain of our nature. As people created in the image of God, there are, there are things that the Lord wants us to have that are not these things, right? And so we're, our DNA is such that, that we can't acclimate to these things because they're not our norm. One of the situations that we had when we were on our vacation was one of our family members on my side, close family members, had a total mental break, complete mental breakdown, married three um, teenage kids. It was one of the most chaotic circumstances I think I've ever walked through. I was all up in trying to help, trying to bring. And even myself, I was like, I can't see here. I, I don't even know what to say to you anymore because it was such a fluid situation where daily, hourly, everything was, was changing moment by moment. It was, it was complete and total chaos. How do you know we're never supposed to acclimate to circumstances like that fully? We have to get through them. It's like thinking that we're going to acclimate to being in war, right? It's like no one can stay on the battlefield forever. We weren't meant to kill people and thrive, strive in these kind of ways to overthrow nations and power moves and stuff by governments of the earth. Like these are things that, that there's darkness that come. You can't see in those kind of moments. They ruin people's lives. These kind of situations are serious and they're coming and they've been coming against the body of Christ and every, other people too, but they're intentional attacks to the body of Christ to try to take a piece of your heart. The enemy, he wants to get into your heart. He wants to take a piece of your beautiful heart and he wants to try to get it back unto himself, right? When it has been bought and paid for by Jesus upon the cross, right? And so David, he finds himself in this moment. He doesn't say what it was, but it's completely counterintuitive to David. He doesn't know what to do other than write a song. He talks about the goodness of God. And then here's a verse in the middle of, of verse four of the circumstantial uh, situation, transition, valley, darkest valley that he's walking through. Why was he, why was he so kind of what's going on here because he was a he was a son of Abraham and and because of being a son of Abraham 
And being rooted in his identity, as Julie mentioned during the, the, the offering time, he knew it had been availed to him through the Abrahamic covenant that had been established. Now, some of you need to hear this, okay? This is very important. When God establishes the covenant, it is sealed and it is yes and amen. In other words, what he spoke is going to take place. How it's going to unfold, that's something that we're going to have to follow him into, right? Because he's not going to give us those kind of details, but this is going to happen. And it's found in Genesis chapter 12. Quickly, I just, just for the sake of time, got to read this fast. He says, I will make you, he's speaking over Abraham, into a great nation. And I will make you famous. We bash fame because it's been so misaligned and misappropriated, misused, right, in, in a generation. But there, but there is something about being known and being made famous. Tell me if you know Jesus is probably one of the most famous figures in all of human history. He says, I will bless you and make you famous. And you, here's the purpose of it, and you will be a blessing to other Hear me and hear me well. This is the call of God over your life and the enemy wants to shut that down. He wants you to turn inward. He wants you to to, uh, self-preserve. When you've been through, listen, I know this because I've walked through it. When you've been through a deepest, darkest valley, one of the last things you want to do is fight again. You just kind of want to just preserve, right? I know this because I was watching Rocky III last night on Sling. You know the story, you know, Glubber, Mr. T, this is old school, man, just just beats the stew out of, of, of Rocky. He lost the eye of the tiger. Come on, somebody. And Apollo Creed, who he had beaten, comes back into his life and is like, man, I want to coach you. And Rocky just doesn't have it anymore. He just doesn't have the fire. He doesn't have that look in his eyes. And Apollo Creed's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, let's just work on this tomorrow. And Apollo looks at him and says, there, you don't have a tomorrow, man. He's like trying to, you know, get into his heart and his life. And the Lord uses his wife to kind of bring out the truth of what's really going on. Come on, women in the house. You guys have a way of doing that. Just, you kind of just subtly, Wendy does this to me, just, just kind of ask little subtle questions. Initially, you answer with the wrong answer. And then this question comes back again. You answer again with the wrong answer, another one, and the question comes back yet another time until you break. Can I get an amen? But she's asking him, what's wrong? What's wrong? And finally, Rocky says, well, I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid. And here's this guy with this statue in his honor on the top of the stairs in Philadelphia, right? You know the whole deal. And he's, and he's, he's frustrated at himself because he has to be honest that he's afraid. And then she starts telling him, what do we have to lose? What's the worst thing that can happen? Where, where do you think this thing's going to go if you lose this fight? Courage is inspired into her heart, into his heart from a woman. If this was true for Abraham and David, it's true for the new covenant sons and daughters. Look at this, Acts chapter 3, verse 25. He says, you're the children of those prophets. You are included into the covenant of God, promised to your ancestors. 
God said to Abraham, through you, descendants, all of the families. Come on. You don't want to talk about revival. You want to talk about a move of God, a historic moment on the earth. All of the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. But it's going to retire trust. Imagine Abraham 12, 1, I won't read the whole verse, but the Lord tells him, hey, get out of your country. And by the way, I'm going to take you somewhere where you don't even know where you're going. Come on, when you're a type A visionary, that's not like a really good plan for that type of personality type, right? What do you mean, follow you? you come on, give me the details here. Trust is being established. The land that God was going to show Abraham, that David could reflect on, and we should today, was both how to dwell in Babylon and be rooted and established on the rock of Mount Moriah. Darren, what are you talking about? You see, Babylon is the system of this world under the God of this world, who has been completely stripped of his authority, yet is being empowered because he's continued to cultivate and formulate lies on the inside of people's mindsets. And because of that, they yield their will to him. He misaligns the character of the father. He speaks, you know, just very subtle religious uh, nuances that he tries to get us to buy into that are so close to the truth, but they're not the truth at all, right? That's Babylon. That's where we live. That's where we dwell. And we're called to exist in this place. We're called to buy houses. We're called to marry. We're called to, you know, get out into the midst of the culture. And in fact, the word says that the prosperity of Babylon will become your prosperity. So we have to engage the darkness. We have to engage this countercultural system that we've been placed in because it will bring return to the kingdom of heaven. And then along the way, we'll grow a little bit closer to Jesus. Can I get an amen? But in order to exist in Babylon, you have to journey to the mountain. You have to go back to the place of first love. You've got to have your house established upon a rock. If anything I saw in 2020 and then in circumstances that come in our lives, even my own self where I feel shaking, I feel unstable, it's because I haven't established what I've built fully upon the rock. It's on sand. It's on other things, right? We've all been there. You see, Babylon is in the east, the coastlands. But Mount Moriah is in the west. It's in the highlands. And these are two extremes in terms of location and in culture. And the in-between of these two worlds is a valley that you got to walk through to get to that place where you can establish yourself on a rock. And it's a dark valley at times. You see, human beings, and I'm wrapping up with this, are always trying to figure out what is God's way and what is man's comes down to those two things and we, we at times because our minds have not been renewed and washed according to the water of the word at times we think man's ways are God's ways right and they're not you see man's understanding of the day because we're walking through life right like this is life 
And we're doing it together, whether we realize that or not. We're together. We're way better together. We're walking through life, but man's understanding of the day looks at it like this. It begins with a sunrise and ends with a sunset. I know that may sound super simple to you, but this is really theologically strong right here, and you need to pay attention. Man thinks that the day begins at sunrise and ends at a sunset. You know what that produces? It produces fatalism in the hearts of mankind. Because everything starts off bright, and then it ends with darkness, destruction, chaos, right? Fatalism prevails in this belief system where the view of a future has changed to the promise of a threat. We look at everything through the lens of this reality that I just described. We think that, man, everything's just going to keep getting worse and we don't have a hopeful future on the inside of our hearts. But see, God's economy, his understanding of the day, it starts with darkness at sunset and ends with the light of a sunrise. If you don't believe me, look through the entire Bible. The day begins in God's economy at sunset. Shabbat, the, I don't have all the terminology, but it's like when sunset happens, that's when the new day begins. When you enter into Sabbath rest on that Friday through Saturday, it starts at sunset, right? This is how his economy functions. There's a new day coming. I want to say it again. There's a new day on the horizon. It's better than you think. In fact, even if you asked the Lord and he told you what it was going to look like, we see this in the word. I'm just talking straight scripture. He said that, We wouldn't believe him because we're not there yet. What does it take to follow the Lord? This whole concept of trust. So I end this. Psalm 9, verse 10, he says that know those who know your name. It's actually talking about his renown, his reputation. Time tells all things. Someone can fake it till they make it for a little while. But the character and nature of a person, an individual, is proven. Andrew Owens' song, I love it. It's this little verse in one of his songs. He says, um, that your love will prove out all things on the inside of us, whether they're yes or amen. And he says, for you, O Lord, will not abandon those who search for you, in other words, that follow you. His renown starts to pull us into the story. Courage and bravery begins to enter our hearts so that we can follow him through darkest valleys. Because faith, listen guys, faith is not something you can muster up, what we often think 
God is asking of us. He wants to actually give to us. Come on. Oh, I need to get stronger. I need to get more brave. I need to get more courageous. No, the reason you're feeling inspired by those things is not so you can muster this up on the inside. It's so that he can give it to you. David comes back, Lord, you are my shepherd. I have all that I need. What would it look like if as the body of Christ, we go somewhere together on this and we all start shouting with one voice, not doom is coming, but we shout, you are watching over me and in you, I will have all that I need. about verse 5 in the Psalms. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the midst of my enemies. You know what that is? That's those moments where you walk through whatever tragedy, whatever realm of darkness that you paid a price for that wasn't from the Lord. We know exactly where that depth of darkness came from. And you get to sit there with a bunch of friends and get to eat of the Lord's delicacies and the enemy of your soul has to sit there and watch you do it. Oh my gosh. Want to talk about justice? Justice of God is making your enemy watch. Come on, I, gosh, I wish I could go into this. Did you guys see, you know, Bill Johnson's wife, Benny Johnson, passed away from cancer just recently. I watched her memorial, I think it was on Friday. Here's the guy that stood for healing. He's preached this. And his own wife dies of cancer. I saw a, the darkest video as I was looking for her memorial service online where some pastor made this video of his wife saying why she got cancer from the Lord because of all the stuff that she had been talking about concerning healing. I'm like, this is so distorted. And you know what? When I watched him preach, if you guys haven't seen the message, you need to go watch it, look it up. It was a day, I think, after his wife passed away. And there's images, and it is, it is hard to look at, of her right literally before she passed or right after, and he's holding her hand, and he is worshiping Jesus. You can talk about all kinds of stuff, but when you walk it out with that kind of grace, and you're not offended at the Lord, you're not offended at his church, you're not offended at his kingdom, because he talks about it way better than I could. He talks about there's moments in this darkest valley that we're not gonna get any answers. And that's what it means to truly walk blind. Are you following me? We want answers. Why did this happen? The only one that's gonna give you any answers is the enemy. He'll explain it all. He'll, he'll dish it out. He'll tell you, Everything that you want to know. You want to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Go ahead and he will feed you for the rest of your lifetime. But the tree of life sometimes doesn't have any answers, but what it does have is life. Come on. Life and life abundant is what it has. Because life will flow through a house built upon the rock. Isaiah prophesied. Could you guys stand with me? He prophesied 
of the mountain of the Lord's house being raised above all of the other mountains in the world, all of the other high places. Could we just, actually, Megan was singing about this earlier, about innocence returning, Peniel. This is where God's calling us back to childlikeness again. Children jump first and then consider fear later, right? As adults, we, you know, we're conditioned to, to go, man, what are the ramifications of decisions. Let me write down all the positives and then all the negatives. And let's see if the negatives, you know, are less than the positives. If not, then hey. But obedience is the ability to hear under. That's the literal definition biblically. Not my will, but yours be done. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to just go into a time of ministry. If you've got kids in the nursery, would you please go retrieve them? And otherwise, if you need to leave, you are free to go. We will be dismissed. But I feel to give some space today, some space, just a moment in worship for people to come. You can sit to respond. You can stay where you're at. But would you pray with me? Lord, it's the dawning of a new day. All that hell has been dishing out, it's no coincidence. Hope deferred is trying to make the heart sick. But God, your promises over every life in this place are yes and amen. I wish I had answers for the things that people in this room and those watching online, those listening over podcasts have walked through, but I have no answers to remedy that pain and that hardship. Silver and gold in those ways I don't have, but what I do have, I give you today. Hope, certainty that God is good that God has a promise over every life to give us a hope and a future, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Come on, lift your hands in this place. To give us a hope and a future. Lord, we extend our hands like little children today, saying, God, take us into the promise. Activate. The Abrahamic covenant that was inaugurated ultimately and initiated at Jesus, the great promise to humanity being placed on the altar of sacrifice. And Babylon having his way with him, but yet he rose again. He went into the depths of the grave. Hell itself took back the keys of authority shamed the enemy publicly when he rose again from the dead. He had thrown all that he had at Jesus as he's trying to throw all that
that he has in you. And nothing could hold him down. And nothing because of that can hold you down. I speak that over your heart right now. In the name of the Lord, you shall not be made a fool. You shall not be ashamed. You will not fail. You will not be crushed. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.